does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, wake up. It's 7 o'clock here on the Wake Up Call. I think the last words that I heard before we went on the air, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dighton, I'm Andy Sweet. I was running down the hallway, and I heard, oh, man, it's going to be two weeks of Jimmy Cook being happy. And that's what it's going to be. We have our Super Bowl set. Wow, what a weekend for the Pacers. Indiana basketball can't make a three. And Purdue, they're seniors, KB. They finally get a win there uh, at the rack in Rutgers. Thanks for joining us here on this Monday on the Fan as always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB, a good morning to you, Mark. A good morning to you. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Good morning to you guys as well as we uh, wrap up the month of January here. Boy, the Pacers, what a special month it, it's been. And you know, What I a weekend. I don't think I would have used the word <laughs> special had you told me on January 1, Tyrese Halliburton's going to miss 10 games this month. But they are now 10-6 here in January. Uh, some very entertaining college basketball here statewide this weekend. And the Super Bowl is set. It will be Chiefs and 49ers. And, God, can you imagine being a Lions fan today? I, I just, um, you know, th- those chances do not grow on trees. Um, I think back to the Bills a few years ago when they obviously had the 13 seconds with Kansas City. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't as excruciating as that, but to be up 17. And really just in a blink of an eye. I, I-, I felt like... I literally had like gone upstairs, brushed my teeth, and next thing you know, I'm like, holy, is the game tied? Yeah, it was a blink of an eye, but it was also a slow death, it felt well, like. Well, there were five, like, just it's unbelievable. huge plays yeah. within the, whatever, six or seven minute span. Obviously, Dan Campbell, uh, I, 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 think the, I think the criticism of him uh, in those moments, and I think there's a moment not a lot of people are talking about either, uh, I think are very fair, so... We'll certainly get to that today, and uh, boy, Patrick Mahomes does it again. And what an effort, I think, by the Chiefs' defense. We, we, we probably won't focus on it as much as we should, but uh, to make Lamar Jackson look like that, to totally stymie and neutralize. And, and Andy, I don't know about you, I thought the Chiefs sent a message from like the opening snap. We're going to defer, we're going to all of a sudden put our defense. I mean, think about like the Kansas City defense. Like You, you just don't think of them like they can do the heavy lifting, it's, and it's they the, did that. It's the team they have this year. It's the team they have, right? They understand they don't have the weapons. Uh, Kadarius Tony getting on Instagram Live right before <laughs> right before the game was quite something, but uh, it's the heart of a champion, and I don't know. You know, Kansas City goes, and they move on, um, and listen, I know there's all the funny stuff. We're tired of the Chiefs. We're tired of this. We're tired of that. I mean, there is a sense of, boy, greatness. You're watching it. There is the sense of as well you know I told you guys it was uh, it was the most Lamar Jackson game because it all wasn't on him his numbers are still good they're not bad but the interception in the end zone uh, the turnovers this team had the Zay Flowers um, you know big um, taunting play just stupid things and this was a historically great team going into the postseason they win their first postseason game and and yeah, they don't grow on trees. And the Detroit Lions, just a, you know, it was it was a stab wound to the gut, but then they had to sit there for the entire second half and watch themselves bleed out, right? Like you felt like is someone, anyone, going to make a play that's going to stop the bleeding? And St. Brown had the big play in the fourth quarter, the 30-40 yard play where they finally connected on one. You thought maybe that was it, but... Just an absolute heartbreaking scene. And there were a lot of Detroit Lion fans there in San Francisco yeah, last so, night. Quite a bit. Someone uh, messaged me late in the game and was like, or I, I guess m- more or less in the third quarter, was like, man, the Lions are puking everywhere. And I thought <laughs> maybe violently puking is probably the better way to put it. Uh, and then oh, I think somewhere man. there's an Eminem mom spaghetti joke that you could well, probably you saw him. That was that, in there was I being fooled it. by the internet? He was tossing the double bird. Was no, that before I, I, the game? I he was going was double him. bird. Yeah, okay, yeah. Which I think I, he's just saying hello. <laughs> just I absolutely hello. love that. Uh, but yeah, just it, it, two very I, I I thought pretty two entertaining games. I know maybe Baltimore Kansas City didn't have those moments, but you got third and nine of the game on the line. And just vintage Kansas City, vintage Patrick Mahomes. He dials one up, and that throw was so, so good. Right on the money to Valdez Scantling to ice that game. And 
Um, just why I, I tweeted out, why do I ever bet against Mahomes? Like, why? Yeah, but if if Mir Mark would have said, "Why are you betting against Mahomes?" You would have thought you knew better. You I would know. have bet for the Ravens. You I would have know. bet against Mahomes, and we'd be sitting here in the same spot on Monday. And now he's about <laughs> to have a third straight game. It looks like where he's getting points. The early line on the Super Bowl is indeed boy uh, that second half. San Francisco favored by two in this <sighs> one. Uh, obviously, we'll get to a lot on the Dan Campbell front, the fourth down decisions. Um, I. I I guess I'll just go here to lead off, Andy. I, I, I know this one probably won't be talked about a lot. I thought it was totally idiotic by the Lions to attempt a run there on third and goal with a minute to go in the game. If you want to crunch numbers and you want to believe in analytics and all of that, what you are saying with that play is if we don't get in, the game is over. Because onside kick successes is beyond a shot in the dark. I mean, what do I think... Um, Jim Nate or uh, whoever was on the call, Kevin well, Kevin Burkhardt said like two of forty seven this yeah, they, year. They gave this stat. You're just not going to get the onside so I, kick. Basically, once you get stuff there, the game is over. How, had you decided to throw it and it's an incomplete pass, you then score on fourth down like they did. Andy, that's a minute to go with three timeouts. There, you could honestly, if you wanted to, you could kick it deep. And yes, Christian McCaffrey had some nice moments, but there were a lot of times where Detroit's run defense was great. And Brock Purdy throwing on third down with the, with the Super Bowl on the line, game on the line, something like that. You know, that that could look a little different there. So I thought that decision by Campbell, certainly the fourth downs we will talk about, bypassing those field goal attempts and all of that. And again, they had a lot of guys that had moments within that stretch to make plays for them. And to your point, stop the bleeding, and they didn't do it. But still, I thought that play, if you're going to preach analytics and we're going to be aggressive and this and that, there's no numbers that sit there and say, hey, yeah, we're going to rely on an onside kick to try and win the football game. Listen, you're spot on, and we'll get to the Pacers here in a second because what a weekend. By the way, Pat Forty, uh, he was hanging out with Indiana State over the weekend. He'll join us coming up at about 9.05 today uh, on the wake-up call. KB, I-, I think you're being too nice. You're being too nice. It was the end of that Lions game, and and I don't know the answer. I know everyone gets on Twitter and they say how every single coach, they need a clock management guy. And listen, we saw it sometimes uh, this season with Shane Steichen. I mean, I can think of three or four games where we had the conversation uh, with Shane Steichen on taking the points or going for it in a particular spot. Listen, you may not like that Dan Campbell is not going to kick a 45- to 55-yard field goal, that he is going to go for it, okay? And the numbers, a lot of times, bear out that in those fourth and shorts, and especially given that that is the DNA of his team, that they should go for it. If you don't like that, that's fine. If the numbers are too close and you say, I'm going to kick it, understandable, okay? We can have a conversation about that. We can have a football discussion, if you will, about that. What you saw at the end of that game was coaching malpractice by the Detroit Lions. And, I mean, I'll go back, and I don't even know. Listen, Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, is now the numbers for the offense will look even better if the damn wide receivers for the Lions could catch the football if they don't turn it over, okay? That's one of the crazy things. Like, Jared Goff didn't melt down, and they had the second half that they had that was absolutely a meltdown. But, I mean, the entire time, KB, they could have kicked the, they could have kicked a field goal with like a minute 30 on the clock. I was fine and, and with even them going. For the yeah, touchdown. No, I, listen, I'm with you, but they could have even played that game. So they said, "Now nah, we're going to go down. We're down ten. We're going to score no matter what." Okay, we're gonna we're, we're going for this touchdown. Understandable. And then running it on third down and not running. Run, I mean, if you're going to go for it on fourth down, that's fine. But don't call the timeout or run the field goal kicker on. It'll take seven, eight, nine seconds and kick the field goal. But to waste that timeout, to burn that timeout. I think Greg Olson tried to bring that up during the game. And I don't know if he just got overpowered because it's the moment and everything else. But when you do that, now it's all up to an onside kick. And like you said, the chance of you getting an onside kick in the NFL is squarely under 5%. If you're playing the numbers, it is the low budget play uh, that you can have. I, I just, I can't believe. I wish I knew if that was on Campbell uh, or Ben Johnson. And well, what Campbell the, can override sure, him. And sure, I just wish I knew Campbell what the conversation the was and there. Says to Ben Johnson, we cannot be tackled in bounds right now. Like, we, 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 so run plays are are gone. 
we cannot afford any sort of risk there with that. I probably had more of an issue on the two fourth downs because they bypassed field goals on two separate occasions. I had more of the issue on the first one. Um, to me, context matters. Context matters so much when you're discussing amount of aggression, um, how often you go for fourth downs, all of that. A week five, fourth and three against Mark's Bears is not the same thing as a week as a conference championship, fourth and week three. Week 20, what is it? Week 21? What are we, yeah, what, where are we what at? What are we even at? The, well, the game's 24-10. What you're talking Against, about, it's 24-10. You're the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, midway through the third quarter. If you kick the field goal there, Andy, you are up three, and you make it. About seven minutes to go. Is not a guarantee, but Michael Badgley, you know, whatever. It's north of 70%. It's a 45-yard kick. It's decent weather. You would hope that he would make that. If he makes that, you are up three scores with seven minutes to go, and now you've said to Kyle Shanahan, you've got to abandon your game plan. You cannot continue to stick with great balance the rest of the way and sprinkle in Christian McCaffrey and not put too much on the plate of Brock Purdy. You're telling Kyle Shanahan, your offensive line better get used to pass protecting a whole lot here, and you're sending a message to your defensive guys, pin your ears back. We have an opportunity here to try and really kind of finish the game, end the game with one big turnover, and you put San Francisco in a position, Andy, they haven't been in all year. How many times do you think San Francisco's been down 17 midway through the third quarter? Well, they, they've had the stat second half, fourth quarter, that if they're down, they, they've won one time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, they uh, don't win games. To me, this is where all the context matters. I don't, yes, Dan Campbell, uber aggressive head coach. A lot of that I like. A lot of that I agree with. But context, opponent, score, time, all of that matters. I hate the people out there that are like, no, no, no. You got here because you were aggressive. You got to go down fighting this and that. I could not disagree with that more. There is so much that goes into these sorts of situations. It's a week-to-week league. Personnel dictates so much. Again, if you go up 17 there, because even if you would have scored a touchdown, it's still a three-possession game. So in my opinion, it's all about stretching it to three. Get to that third possession because when you do that, midway through the third quarter, you say to San Francisco, Guys, throw out the game plan that you prepped all week for. That is gone. You've got to now do things out of, you know, really out of ordinary to try and get back in this game. And I thought that was the biggest mistake that uh, that Campbell made there on the first field goal attempt. Yeah, so for people that, that went to sleep, that fell, that fell asleep, maybe you're up early this morning, you haven't seen it. Again, it's a 24-10 game. They go for it on fourth down. Uh, and then the Niners just score, what, one, two, three, four, five possessions in a row. Every possession of the second half, the Niners score. And then, you know, there's little plays, you know, they so they go for it on that for, first, you know, there are 14 other Lions, and they go for it, and they don't get it. This is what KB's talking about. San Francisco comes back, they score a touchdown. All right, it's 24-17, still got a lead. You can understand that the ship is starting to be wobbly. Well, the whole boom, place is rocking. Boom, boom, the first play, Detroit fumbles. Yeah, Gibbs, Goff Gibbs, and Gibbs, Gibbs run Gibbs into lay, each other. Gibbs, yeah. Leo lays it down on the turf, another touchdown, now it's tied, and then a play that will never be talked about. It's 24-24. The Lions go three and out. And their putter, bless his heart, I need to look up his name. Jake Fox, right? Has the absolute punt of all punts. Mm -hmm. He has a 75-yard punt. It's perfect. It literally hits at the two-yard line. And the Lions guy, you know, basically catches it and has his feet in the end zone. And so you got to bring it out uh, on the touchback there. And again, that's just, it goes into the sloppy play because if that's week five against Mark Dighton, Chicago Bears, they probably make that play, and now it's first and ten. Slander I've heard uh, in this segment. Well, you know, KB went here? with it, so I'm going I was with done it. After the first one, to be fair, Mark. Uh, and then obviously well, they also had a missed sack of Purdy. They had him swallowed up on about, like the well, first three down times. on one of the first possessions there, as things were starting to snowball. Um, but yeah, I, I just I cannot get behind, it. in particular the the first attempt. I. The second one, when you're down three, the field goal would have been a little bit longer. You know, listening to Campbell's rationale after the game of, you know, if you give it back there to San Francisco and you don't have the lead, you know, they can really bleed the clock. I could maybe understand that one. But for me, if you're going to talk about Campbell and you're going to talk about criticisms today, it's bypassing the first field goal attempt. And more than anything, it's running it on third and goal there with a minute to go. Because at that point, Such a you bad had play said, call. if we get stopped here, the game is over. If you throw it with three timeouts, great time management in the second half, not to use any of those timeouts, Andy, you've got a legit chance to still win that football game or at least send it into overtime there. So obviously plenty of that conversation 
we will get to throughout the show. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Pat Forty. He was actually over in Terre Haute this weekend. We talked about it at the start. Some extremely entertaining entertaining moments college basketball-wise. Got a little Hinkle Magic on a Saturday afternoon. That was a pretty good game to give away some tickets it to. It was a good game. Double that's OT. All, that's all I thought. I hope the people that we gave tickets to went to the game. What a game. Outstanding comeback there. Lay awful start for Butler. A huge comeback. They get a much-needed one. Uh, Indiana, I guess we're in the moral victory of let's clap our hands and Xavier Johnson was good for 30-some minutes and then all of a sudden uh, the final minute, uh, it was not good at all for Indiana and trying to steal one on the road. So they continue uh, to be really just a a very poor basketball team when you look at preseason expectations and where they're at now. Uh, With one more game to go in January, tomorrow night, it'll be Iowa and Purdue. Uh, winning in different ways. We've talked about it before. And uh, in the rack, the first time that senior class has won there. Uh, big first half lead, and then they hold on to beat Rutgers there. Was that three straight on the road now since it, they dropped a couple? It is, and that senior class finally gets the win at Rutgers. And we've talked about, you especially, talked about Purdue winning in different ways. This was yet another way. You get the lead, you're on the road, you double digits, it's feeling good. Wait a minute, now it's a big game. And then, you know, in the final minutes, pulling away yet again for a second time. That was, I say, a nice win. I don't know. Purdue fans are probably not happy the way they played for stretches of that second half, but uh, it's a road win. That was was a game you very well could have lost and you didn't. And now what a week for them. They get the rematch with Northwestern on Wednesday and then Andy as we look ahead to Sunday that is Purdue at Wisconsin and right now if you look at the Big Ten standings where things are, those two teams, Illinois I think lurking a little bit but again Purdue's already beaten them earlier this year. Uh, Just a huge one for the Big Ten the rest of the way with that. Plenty of Pacers conversation. Sounds like Tyrese Halliburton going to get back to practice today. Again, tomorrow nationally televised in Boston. The Celtics do play tonight. I am curious how Boston might handle yeah. their lineup tonight versus... They're, they're going to handle like Philly did over the weekend? Tomorrow night. <laughs> Doesn't the NBA, aren't they saying, you know, rest the guys for the non-nationally televised? <laughs> yeah, again. So you rest them tonight? Yeah, over, over the weekend, the Sixers rested everyone for their nationally televised game against the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, no Embiid. Yeah, no, no Maxi, no Embiid, no Tobias Harris. This is fantastic. Uh, but what a weekend for the Pacers. Certainly Friday night, I, I, one of the games of the year. Then yesterday, at times I was flipping back and forth. I'm like, wait a minute, why am I flipping back and forth? I, I don't know any of these Memphis groups. Grizzlies players at all. <laughs> Benedict Matherin, outstanding, uh, and the Pacers made enough plays late to stretch that win streak to three games. Good Monday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Coming up in about an hour, we'll give our, our goats of the weekend. Interesting to see where the guys will go with that. Pat Forty, Sports Illustrated. He was hanging out with Indiana State this weekend. He'll join us coming up at the 9 o'clock hour. I love those Indiana State jerseys, by the way. Uh, yeah, I do. I do love the Indiana State jerseys. Uh, speaking of Indiana State, I was hanging out with JMV a little bit on Friday. Did you know that? Really? Oh, yeah. A lot of people asking about you. Hey, Did you go to the house, Mutt? I went to the Mutt. I went up there. Yeah, it's like a mile. Mutt. It's like a mile and a half from my, from my home. Nice. J- JMV was doing this thing. Let's get Sweeney drunk and see how much he can drink. I'm like, listen, I'm not good at many things, JMV. This happens uh, to be one of them. But, you know, JMV was like... Basically, you know, save some Rick Carlisle for everybody else. And I said, no, I don't know if we're going to be. I, was about like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. Now he does have uh, Buchanan, Chad Buchanan today, I believe. Okay. Uh, in the so ten days ahead of the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, that's which now, is pretty good. Get obviously week and a half away. I don't want to get too greedy here, but sure. we could be getting some Halliburton news tomorrow morning, right? Oh, there's no doubt. I'm expecting it eight oh two tomorrow. So Rick Carlisle, out, right? listen, it's welcome in. You know, Rick Carlisle to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, how many minutes is Tyrese Halliburton playing tonight? It'll be a leading question. It won't even be how much is he or is he going to play. It'll be how many minutes is he going to play on his return. So the Pacers <laughs> will practice today at noon, and I say practice of like teams in the NBA just don't practice yeah. very often. He's supposed to practice. And so, yeah, the thought is he will practice today after not playing yesterday. 
Uh, and then they will board a flight to Boston later today. Again, tomorrow night, 7.30. That is the lone scheduled nationally televised game of the year. I, I Obviously, they played the in-season tournament game, so this was the one at the start of the season that Halliburton had kind of circled on the calendar. So not only an injury update potentially on Halliburton, but Miles Turner as well. Back spasms for him. He did not play yesterday. It almost had the feel yesterday, and I didn't want to read too much into it, but like when Memphis is what? Eight guys on the inactive list. I think they had four of their top five scores out. It was like, oh, okay, let's not rush anybody either. You know, Miles, okay, you just sit down. Uh, Tyrese, we do not need to force the issue here whatsoever. And again, I thought Matherin set the tone early on. It it was a very rocky, kind of an ugly start to the game. I was flipping back and forth like, man, I should just focus on the AFC championship game (laughs) a little bit more. But then Matherin provided that big spark in the second quarter. And the Pacers made enough plays there down the stretch to stave off a Memphis team that you had to have the program handy to know who was in the game. Yeah, I know this is the wrong way, and Carlisle would hate, hate uh, the thought that this is how people view it, but when they won Thursday and then they won Friday, it was kind of one of those things where you knew Halliburton wasn't playing on Sunday. Like, if you thought maybe, okay, uh, because, you know, last week we found out he wasn't going to play three games. Well, Memphis was the fourth game, right? So Memphis, he very well last night could have been back. But once you win over Philly and Phoenix, doesn't it just mean that, hey, and I know that, again, I know with the Miles turn of the back spasms and everything else, we'll see how everything looks on Tuesday, but it really did feel like a, hey, we can play, you know, I mean, we can play, uh, Memphis is playing nobody. We, we can easily play uh, some of our backups and some of the guys that are part-time starters, and we can go win this game, and that's exactly what they did. And I, listen, I said this, and I mean it, I, I just... You know, sometimes there are little runs that matter more than other. You you mentioned context, right? You we went when we were talking about the Lions and Niners. The first fourth down when it's twenty four to ten, the Dan Campbell decided I'm not going to kick the field goal. I'm not going to go up, and of course the field goal could have missed. I'm not going to go up three scores. Um, context mattered to you. That was your conversation. Uh, to me, there was there was a lot of context with last night that you had, you know, in this weekend, I should say, that this weekend we could have limped in here with this team being one game over 500, not knowing when the next time Tyrese Halliburton was going to play with Boston and New York coming up on the schedule, not in a back-to-back, but in a Tuesday, Thursday on the road. So, yes, I know it's just a weekend, a Thursday, Friday, Sunday. I know one of the games was Memphis. I get all of that. But a three, this three-game stretch, boy, they flipped things a little bit. They outworked their opponent. And to me, this little stretch, uh, I, I was expecting, quite frankly, KB, without Halliburton and then some of the injuries that they had on Sunday, I was expecting coming in here, this team being 24 and 23, 25 and 22, probably. Uh, and that's not the case at all. Context matters, and the context this weekend is the Pacers played their ass off, and they got three big wins. They really well, did. And I think the play their ass off comment is exactly the way to describe Friday night. I, I just thought they were obviously n- nowhere near the talent level of Phoenix in that game. It's one of the greatest individual performances you'll ever see in what Devin Booker did to them. But they just outworked and out-hustled Phoenix for 48 minutes. And I know it sounds so cliche, and it sounds a bit just elementary to even say that, but just watch the final possession. Watch Obi Toppin's offensive putback, which was the eventual uh, game winner there. It is simply just effort and, and hustle. And, you know, there was part of me where at the start of the season, one of the reasons why I was so bullish on the Pacers, you know, being over 45 wins and being a five or six seed was I thought their depth, and I just frankly think they have a lot of basketball players that just get it. And when things get tough and it's a back-to-back and you know there's reasons to whatever, maybe half-ass it here, half-ass it there, I don't think the Pacers have a lot of guys that do that compared to most NBA teams, to be frank with you. And if you watch some of those plays that got Indiana back in that game, on Friday night, it was those t- sorts of hustle plays. You know, the Aaron Neesmiths of the world, and, you know, Toppin was tremendous off the bench. Nemhard is a guy that brings it on both ends of the floor. Uh, that was absolutely vital because you had to do something uh, to offset, you know, Devin Booker with the most points ever uh, from an opponent here 
in Indianapolis. That that was one of the wins of the year. And, and it, it was oh, unfortunate it was that we didn't have a show right after I know. it to really give it <laughs> the amount of attention that it deserved. But that was certainly it. And again, the, this month, Andy, I mean, 10-6. and six, And even if they lose tomorrow night in Boston, which you do have the advantage of Boston. By the way, Boston only scored 96, I saw, on Saturday night with their normal starters in there. Uh, Boston will be on a back-to-back. They've got the Pelicans tonight. It, it, the fact that you will have gone potentially ten and seven or eleven and six in this month, where Halliburton has missed the entire month, and think about it—you've played Milwaukee what two times this month? Boston another couple of times. You had the first West Coast trip of the year. Then you return from the West Coast trip, and you get Denver and Phoenix in that very week. You just played Philly as well. And if I think back to those games. Andy, I don't remember very many load management, if any, moments from those teams either. No. I mean, Philly was playing Embiid. Denver had its normal crew. Phoenix had the big three in both of those matchups. Giannis played in those Milwaukee games. Embiid played against you and not Denver. Right. So you not only drew the short straw and maybe schedule of just, frankly, opponent, but also the availability for many of those teams. Just a great, great month. Great month and needed, I, I think, as well. When you uh, you know had some squandered opportunities back in November, two things on the Friday night, and I should have went and pulled this sound. Uh, the very last possession, or when Obi Toppin gets the putback. How many offensive rebounds were? Well, there? Quinn was it three. Quinn Buckner is fan. He was fantastic in that call. KB. He was go. Ah! <laughs> he was just making the noise, but it's the noise that everyone, if you were in the stadium or you were, or if you were at home, what? Because Siakam had the play right at the rim, right? And then you had the tip out, and then yeah. the ball leaks out to Obi Toppin. English and ah, body language, ah, yeah. Ah, yeah, Quinn Bugner was doing that. And then for me, yeah, it had to be one of the top, what, two, three, four nights in Gamebridge this season already. Probably top two or three. Um, there was, uh, on the on the Obi putback, I don't know why, it's just things you remember. On the Obi putback, there were two guys, two buddies, okay? Like if all of us were at a game here sitting next to each other. There were two buddies sitting next to each other that had the uh, the tall boys. What are they? The twenty four ounce Modellos? Are they sixteen or are they twenty four that they sell at the stadium? Boy, Doesn't if matter. You're getting a twenty four. You need to let me know where that where that concourse is because <laughs> that's a okay. perfect beer for the fourth well, quarter. I mean, you're exactly right. Yeah, because eventually they stopped selling. But they had the sixteen ounce Mod- Modellos, and both of them are losing their minds, holding their beers in the air on the Ob Top and put back. And I and I thought those are some dudes having a damn good Friday night. On and I even tweeted it Saturday. I still, I still don't. I still, I sit here today on Monday, not totally sure how the Pacers got that win uh, over Phoenix, well, an unlikely win with what they did not have. And like you said, I mean the Suns are they're playing everybody. Beal's in, Bradley's in, and Booker scoring sixty points. And I'm very confused a week from Thursday. What's going to happen? Like Obi Top and Buddy Heald, the two most popular names we've talked about in regards to the trade deadline, considering. Both of them are in contract years. Andy, they're almost going in two different directions. Like, Buddy's been incredibly quiet here as of late. And maybe it's just, you know, whatever, a little seven-day shooting slump-ish, if you want to call it that. Um, But when you've really needed him, he hasn't been there. And then all of a sudden, Toppin, what, a week ago, uh, Jairus Walker got in the game prior to him. And now (laughs) it's... You know, yeah, Walker's we, not. We haven't seen Jarris Walker. Right. He's been the Mad Ants. He's not right. playing, and Toppin's giving you really, really important minutes. So, so what's that doing for you then? Yeah, I, is I, it showing you you want a clarity? I'm very right? confused. Are to you be getting? Are with you getting clarity? I, no, no, not at all. <laughs> because you thought it was the other way. You thought it would be Buddy making a bunch of threes and Ob. You know, you know, you know. Ob would be the guy who would be well, the odd the man thought, out, and right now Ob Toppin's not the odd man out. Yeah, the thought was you had a log jam at the four, and I get it. Yesterday, for example, without Turner, Jalen Smith was sure. asked to start. At the five, but yeah, it, 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 I, I thought Obi would kind of be the odd man out at the four, and then I think the thinking was too with Pascal Siakam here and him kind of you know okay isolated, throw the ball into him, you know Buddy would benefit from that from a shooting standpoint. So certainly some trade deadline chatter we can get into uh, today. Um, going back to yesterday and these two games for me, um, I guess let's start with the AFC game. We we can focus on Campbell here and the Lions in just a second. Uh, how big of a goat lowercase was Zay Flowers in your mind? Uh, I mean, the penalty was incredibly stupid. I mean, the fu- the the fumble's bad. The penalty's stupid. I, I, I thought he could have got I, whistled like three different yeah, times for unsportsmanlike. Really, you, you know, he, here's here's the thing. 
I like Zay Flowers a good deal. I watch probably too much Boston College football. That's what happens when you're betting on ACC noon games. You're watching a bunch of Boston College. Uh, they're going to lose Odell Beckham. By the way, do you see all the people get got by the fake Odell Beckham dad tweet? Did you see that? Oh, no. I did not. <laughs> Someone with a fake Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham Sr. Twitter account went on and said how uh, his son didn't get the opportunity and how uh, Lamar Jackson's a bum in the playoffs and a bunch of news people ran with it. It wasn't It wasn't true. I don't know. I guess I'm – here's the thing. I'm not in love with their – everyone's like, ah, oh, the wide receiving core this year. I think Zay Flowers is pretty good. I, I, that's all. I, I mean, Odell Beckham is completely washed up. Mark Andrews just had a couple catches. Isaiah Lively, who I like a good deal at tight end, his over-under was like 31 and a half. He didn't get close to hitting that. And then – Well, the, the one Ravens time he ra- acted like he was open, it was triple yeah, coverage. He's yeah. screaming for the ball. And Lamar's like, oh, are you open? Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'll throw there's it. And it's five triple guys, coverage. Yeah, there's five guys there. And you mentioned the turnovers. I don't know. I just – six times the running backs got, got, got a rush attempt yesterday. That's not how they win. Just uh, overall, I would say not even a Lamar thing. The the way the Ravens play, I thought offensively they choked as just just as the entire game went. And, you know, someone's making a good point this morning, and they're right. Listen, Kansas City deserves all the credit in the world. Kansas City, you want to know their possessions in the second half on offense? Three and out punt. Eight and out punt. Punt after a three and out. Possession four. Punt. Possession five. Punt. Punt. Possession six. They have the big pass to, to Scantling that ends up winning the game. They don't score there. Yeah, they Baltimore run out the clock. They didn't do, they did, chance, yeah, they yeah. didn't do anything. Baltimore had nine million chances. There's games where you can feel bad for a team. I don't feel bad for Baltimore. And the overall riding thing here is that I don't know what it is. These things manifest themselves. You know, come on, you guys watch football. That there is totally, you know, now two and four in the playoffs, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens do not play their best football in the postseason. And how you figure that out as a team and organization and coaching staff, I don't know. You have an MVP quarterback. You have uh, you know a great defense. You love your new offensive coordinator. John Harbaugh is one of the top two, three, four, five coaches in the entire NFL. But more than not, you've got to the postseason. And the Ravens remind me in some ways a little bit of the Dallas Cowboys. How it kind of manifests itself that when the Cowboys get to the postseason, we wait for the other shoe to drop. That's a little bit on how I feel about the Baltimore Ravens. It really yeah. is. And honestly, I thought Baltimore just kind of wilted in the moment. And by that, I mean this. They've got the home game. They've got all their big bad Ravens back in the building of Suggs and Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, et cetera, et cetera. And it gets chippy pregame. We, you know, obviously Kelsey has got issues with Justin Tucker warming up where oh, that Holmes was warms up and then the special oh, yeah. teamers start getting into it. And this is a, you know, it kind of had a little bit of a college football rivalry pregame feel to it. When one team stomps on the logo, the uh, what does Notre Dame have? Do they just have the N and D at yeah, midfield when you stomp on the logo? For some reason, I'm picturing Florida, Florida State, <laughs> then I'm like, wait, Florida hasn't shown up in, 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 so say about in five years for a couple of years. But anyways, um, it, it had that feel of like, we are the big bad Ravens and watch us. And then they played with such a big bad like immaturity to it all. They had eight penalties for 95 yards. Right. Just so many dumb penalties throughout that game and Kansas City who I think at times in the Mahomes era and maybe rightfully so they've been labeled as more of the finesse team and can they handle kind of a ground and pound you know it's going to be fought in the trenches etc etc and I thought Kansas City just whipped them they whipped them at the line of scrimmage I thought they sent a message from the opening uh, start of that game hey we're going to defer we don't want in Mahomes' hands to start we'll put our defense out there what do they do they force a three and out, and that first Kansas City trip down the field, Kelsey's been kind of quiet. Then all of a sudden, again, he's the one chirping pregame a little mm-hmm. bit. He converts the big fourth down, and then the touchdown. And I thought that just completely yeah, he was great. He was completely great. Completely set the tone from there. And, and Flowers, I get that he's a rookie, and he's had some very big moments for Baltimore this season, but just such a boneheaded penalty after that. And as I said earlier. Ladarius Sneed, the fact that he's the one that you know was taunted against on that play, he comes back and what a huge punch out there for that ball on the goal line. 
Uh, just a tremendous turn of events there. And it just seems like Kansas City all, always makes a play. Death taxes in Kansas City. Like third and nine, I'm sitting there watching it thinking, why do I feel like there's a 90% chance that Chiefs are going to convert <laughs> that, this? That they're going to get it. Does it make you sick? Because this is the other thing. Is... It does make me sick because it's jealousy. It, it's oh, not of like, course it's jealousy. I like, yeah, I think, of course. I think watching the Patriots seal those games in very similar fashion, it was hatred and venom, at sure. least in this market. I think when you watch the Chiefs, like, I don't, why should I hate Mahomes? What has Patrick Mahomes ever done to, like, <laughs> me should hate him? I, I mean, I'm with you, but last Monday you walked in and you said, I'm tired of the Chiefs. Right. I and know. Now, now, now you're bending the knee. I'm jealous. I know. Well, listen, like, aren't we it's all? It's not like, Mahomes, okay, Mahomes has got a right. funny you don't voice. Have the, and you don't have the Brady venom, which is totally understandable. He's in a lot of commercials, and yeah. he seems like he's, like, really good at golf. Like, I'm just jealous of the dude. Like, I'm just jealous of, in that moment, they don't throw to Kelsey. Right. You know, they don't even go to Rashid Rice. Well, Scanley, like well, Scanley's been terrible. He's been dropping passes all season. And yeah, like, he's Baltimore, been a dog. You know, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there's some interior pressure. Oh, boy, Mahomes is chucking it down the field. There's no way this is complete. Boom. Game over. Rokon Swift, uh, uh, Smith had the big penalty down the stretch. Oh, no. And then you got the They had you got 12 the, you, men you got the on smooch. the field exiting the timeout. <laughs> So they cut it to what? Seven, right? After the field goal, Tucker makes the field goal. Yeah, 17 10. So all of a sudden, here they are. They get one stop and they could have a chance with the ball. There's 12 men on the field exiting top. Well, again, this gets back to I, I just thought Baltimore, they just right. couldn't handle the they, moment. That, they, that's they what I'm were, saying. They, they, all this bark and, and just not like enough, okay, discipline bite, if you will, of like, all right, now it's 60 minutes of football. Let's keep our emotions in check. Sure, play with emotion, but keep those in check. And I didn't think they did that at all. You got the smooch after the game. Did you like that? The Kelsey Swift smooch. That'd be a big storyline, I'm like sure. That? <laughs> like I was hoping for an Andy Reid smooch with after the game. Taylor. Well, here's now the, she's going to be at the game. The, uh, what you, okay, so have we all done Dar- the flights to Darren, Japan? And Darren Ravel did this, and Mark, can you look that up? I know we're running late here, but Darren Ravel, no, the night before Darren Taylor Ravel's Swift a nerd. has a concert. Yeah, he is has him. a concert in Japan, and uh, apparently she can leave her concert in Japan right after and get in at about four or five o'clock. To get ready for the for the Super Bowl show, so we shall see. And I'm and I'm listen. I mean this because I think the Ravens are chokers once they get into the postseason. That you know, you look at for the last five years, the only team to beat them and to kind of upset the apple cart, if you will, the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Right now, and Burrow's injured, man. Listen, Joe Burrow gets injured. Okay, Joe Burrow. I feel like is the only one that can that can handle the Kansas City stuff. Right now, the Ravens can't. The Bills can't. Um, I don't think the Texans are there. And that's going to be, if you're Shane Steichen and company, that's what that's the objective is, to be able to get into a fourth quarter with the Colts and not wilt. And like so many of these teams have wilted. Only Joe, Joe Burrow's been able to stand tall. He's the only one in the AFC. It is pretty wild that like the... Despite how dominant, like how loaded the AFC is, we're always like, "Oh, the AFC is so yeah, dominant." It's, it's always like the, the same four teams, like the last eleven or twelve Super Bowls. It's like the Broncos, the Patriots, the Bucks, or no, the the, the Chiefs and the. Uh, yeah, I mean that's about Bengals. it. That's it. No, yeah, I mean that's it. That's it. The Dan Campbell issues for me. Ugh. There's one that's not being talked about enough. We'll touch on that on the other side. Pat Forty joins us at nine o'clock. He was in Terre Haute for Indiana State's big win. On Saturday, we'll talk a variety of college sports with him coming up at 9. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Let's dive into it. Let's give our goats of the weekend here on this Monday. Fire it up, Mark. Who is the goat? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's here, baby! That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! Or GOAT. Oh. Ah. Ah. This guy sucks. Of the week. I'm a man, a man. 
and starting it, uh, we'll give our good goat, our bad goats of the weekend. I'll go first, and I mentioned this guy. Uh, I'm going to go positive here, and I'll go with the Pacers. I'm going to go with Andrew Nemhard uh, to me as uh, the goat of the weekend. Again, wow. I, I view this Pacer weekend as in context. That's been a key word this weekend, putting things in context. Uh, there was a chance that some good teams walked into Gamebridge and left with a win. You beat Joel Embiid. You beat the Phoenix Suns. A great game on Friday night. And then you got to rest, guys. Now, we'll see, especially Halliburton, Miles Turner, how much those linger to the practice today in the game in Boston, obviously, tomorrow night. But if they play, and you know, and the Pacers are basically healthy on Tuesday, they got to sit some guys. Matherin got to come out and have a good game. And you got that win over Memphis last night. But last four games, Nemard, 57% from the field, averaging 18 points, 8 assists. Uh, and as for a guy filling in for one of the better players in all of the league in Tyrese Halliburton, those are good numbers from Andrew Nemhart. He's my goat of the week. My goat of the weekend, honestly, I, I will admit, is probably more of a longevity acknowledgement as the goat. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback the NFL has ever seen. And I get that his numbers weren't necessarily eye-popping, eye-popping. I thought he had a tremendous start to the game on Sunday and then obviously closed it out with an unbelievable throw uh, to ice that one. And look, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he's the real GOAT. You know, you could probably get into like greatest winner versus greatest player. I just know what my eyes have seen. And my eyes tell me that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback. Um, I think in a way, it's a little bit similar to how people that love golf can debate Tiger Woods versus Jack Nicholas. Sure, Nicholas has some numbers that you definitely uh, are better just when you look at it on paper than Tiger, but at their peaks. Um, again, Tiger, the greatest golfer, in my opinion, of all time. Um, so, yes, Patrick Mahomes to me. I know it's not necessarily a game to remember from him on Sunday, uh, but you make four Super Bowls in five years and you've done that to start your career. It's absurd. Only Sir. Kevin Bowen could intertwine golf and Patrick Mahomes somehow. <laughs> Tiger Woods. Yeah. Do, do you guys feel that at all? I mean, I, I, no, I do. I'm I with you. Guys yeah. aren't, I'm with you. Aren't really golfers. Yeah. No, but. no. I, I, yeah, because I, I Jack so. has numbers where you say, well, he's no doubt the greatest of all time. But then you're like, okay, look at what Tiger did. And Mahomes, you know, didn't have to throw for 495 I mean, yards and five Bowls touchdowns. Is insane. Oh, it's ridiculous. Is insane by Brady. And Mahomes uh, might not, or, you know, probably won't get there. But if you just look at their two abilities and how they play on the field, uh, yeah, to me, there's there's really little little debate. I, I think Mahomes is the greatest quarterback ever. Well, just as a team, and he's part of it, they are prepared, and when they get into nut-cutting time, whether it be regular season or postseason, more than not, they come through. They don't fold after that loss to uh, to Oakland. Uh, to the Raiders, they didn't fold. There's something to be said about that. Not many, I mean, come on, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, they don't play their best when they get to the postseason, and the Chiefs, they find a way every single time. The Brady-Mahomes comps are kind of like how the Brady-Montana comps were when Brady was still coming up and he was hitting all these Super Bowls at such a young age. It reminds me of everybody's He's like, well, Joe Montana has this many, and now it's kind of shifted to where it's Brady versus Mahomes for greatest sure. of all time. And again, Kansas City's defense, outstanding yesterday. I want to make sure we like give proper due to other areas, but to me, it was just one of those confirmations of Mahomes is the greatest. My uh, GOAT was an event that took place Saturday night at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. <laughs> the Royal Rumble, my favorite pro wrestling event of the year. WWE put on four hours of just fun and entertainment. It's always my favorite. You never know who's coming out in the Royal Rumble for the men and Who the women. Won? Uh, Cody Rhodes won back-to-back Royal Rumbles. He's only the fourth person to ever do that. And then Bailey won the Women's Championship. So the road to WrestleMania has begun. There's some surprises, some debuts, and all that stuff. And it was an overall a, a very good show. My daughter's starting to get into it as oh, well. Oh, God, pray for them. That's always fun. <laughs> you sure you my, want to uh, do of the year? My middle Mark daughter Tyson. was, we were watching the Women's Royal Rumble. She's like, I want the girl in the orange hair to come out. I like her. I'm like, well, I like her too. Uh, I mean, she's, she's pretty good. So she didn't win either, Becky Lynch. But um, yeah. The girls are starting to get into it, which makes me a proud dad. And uh, yeah, good times. Didn't Can't Roman wait. Reigns win something? Did. I, I thought he's, I saw. Okay, he's been champion for like four years now. So we'll, oh, see. Has we'll he see what really? happens as they head into WrestleMania, which is in Philly this year at Lincoln Financial Field. That and should I be a fun be one. Totally off on this, Mark, but did I see some announcement about Indy? 
In June? Yeah, the Raw's coming here, right? Yeah, Raw is coming here. Monday Night Raw. So that'll be like June 24th or whatever. We're still trying to get a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania to come here. But I think with the Royal Rumble being in January, they kind of avoid the NFL stadiums due to possible conflicts. So I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Hopefully a Royal Rumble one day. Yeah, because Lucas Oil will be great for that. Oh, it'll be fantastic. My lowercase goat from the weekend. I think it's absolutely... And I don't know who the people are that I need to yell at, but I'll just yell at all the parties involved, whether it was BYU, whether it was Texas. The... Absolute idiotic move uh, to force the BYU <laughs> students who had T-shirts spelling out "horns down" in the student section that they were told they could not, no longer wear those T-shirts. Right, BYU bent the knee. The coach After afterwards the was like, "No, game. that's not us. It's not who we are." What are okay. we doing? Horns down in a student section? I t- how does Texas? How does every other team, whether it be NFL, so NBA, up, not allowed? It either? doesn't matter, college or pro. So if every IU team section has boiler down it, T-shirts, can they listen, not wear that? Exactly. Every every other team deals with being taunted in sports. I don't care if it's high school. I mean, there's high schools that do it around. Yeah, if it's high school, college, or pro sports, everyone uh, gets made fun of. They get called out. They get belittled by the crowd in some sort the of way. The Providence student section is chanting at Ed Cooley, where's your mistress? And at the BYU-Texas <laughs> game, we cannot wear horns down t-shirts. Well, I mean, they've done this consistently. The BYU coach gave in. It. It's, not, it's not what we do. Unbelievable. Why do we care what Texas thinks? Oh, you, I mean, Something I love about college basketball are the atmospheres. I, I think it's honestly... Maybe the greatest reason why I pay so much attention to college basketball. You know, I, I got some you know friends that are big time NBA fans. They're like, I'm sorry, I can't watch it. The product is just nowhere like the NBA. And I'm like, yeah, but have you seen the atmospheres? Right. Have you seen the crowds? Have right. you kind of been in those energy and the environments? And whether it's you know Assembly Hall a few weeks ago or Mackey coming up in Ugh. a couple of weeks or Hinkle, like you just can't get that in the NBA, obviously. And yet we're going to take it away because these guys are wearing to- horns down T-shirts. Well, I mean, the Big Twelve did it Am to I where, missing something to where it was a penalty. The SEC better not give in. They better try to embarrass Texas instead of giving in. I'll give you my goat. It's funny that you mentioned it. It's not even totally this guy, but it's a narrative from the college basketball purist, the analyst, if you will. But why do we care about Ed Cooley? I, I mean, he went back to Georgetown. It's like it was a fun atmosphere. They were making fun of him, but it's like Ed Cooley's been to one Sweet Sixteen, and I have to like Ed Cooley's going back. He's taking his Georgetown team into Providence. Like, no offense, but no one's cared about Georgetown basketball in twenty years, and I feel like since JT three, since he had Otto Porter, maybe twelve, fifteen years ago is the last time I cared about Georgetown basketball, and I don't care who the Providence head coach is. Yeah, I, I know. It, it was a fun atmosphere, but it's like I Ed, loved it because Ed it was, returns. Like okay, it was something to watch besides yeah. Notre Dame and Boston College. It's like okay, at that hour. Uh, but yeah, it was like, wait, has Ed Cooley been to like three Final Fours yeah. that I missed? Ed Cooley's made one Sweet 16 and went to a round of 32 in 2015. Like, he's a fine coach, but the Ed Cooley watcher, Ed Cooley be great at this job or that job. Like, how about Ed Cooley focus on second weekend of the tournament before we do anything else? I know I sound like an old Kermunchkin today. I apologize. My lowercase goat, uh, Tony Romo, is just awful at his job. He's so <laughs> brutal. And the fact that he's calling three of the final four NFL games of the season is just, it should be a crime in itself. Here's just one example of him being terrible. And that ball is out. Chiefs ball in games like this. The ball matters more than any game. Oh, what God, are you yeah. talking about? I mean, Here's another one. one score. 10 and 5. Ball batted up into the air. He caught his own pass. That's one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. This is intercepted 100%. It wasn't intercepted. <laughs> he tipped it to himself. That's not 100%, Tony. That's not how math now, Mark works. came with ammo. You, you, you do not he like Tony Romo. Romo. And he is getting paid $17 million a year for 10 years by CBS. You don't think CBS wants to do over with that one? Here's well, what it, And it also is very apparent when then you watch Olsen after. I mean, I think Olsen is Yeah, Olsen is fantastic. You know what it is? Romo started off and everyone kissed his bleep because he was predicting some play calls and everyone loved it. And I think Romo stopped working hard after that, after he got all the love and he got the contract. I wonder if he's like, oh, I can do I, you know, I can do this. Well, supposedly CBS had meetings with him. We're like, you need to do some more homework here because it's not reflecting very well on the broadcast. Times is just like, just take a breath before you speak. Like. 
take a breath, realize, okay, you know, let's let it play out. Let the crowd noise. Let Jim Nance kind of handle it for a bit. And, you know, when he's at his best, it's kind of dissecting the X and O stuff. I don't know. Just kind of stay in your lane a little bit. Like what if he, Nance likes him? Does he get paid <laughs> by the word? Like, I feel like that's what happens. <laughs> but he's sick to golf. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Nance, like Nance is, he wants to be seen as, hey, the crew I'm with is the best crew and I don't know anyone who feels that about this particular crew. And they were so, you know, ready to get Phil Sims out of there. I, I mean, I understood it, but you know, to me, to me, Romo plateaued a couple years ago. He really did. I feel like that's also like, and they have to lean on their their side, like Tracy Wolfson and Gene Steratore and Jade Feely. Like, hey, someone else chime in before Tony starts going away. Like, it's just it's a bad broadcast. And now we get it for the Super Bowl. It's just going to be unbearable. <laughs> Let's get to Pat Forty Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Pat Forty joining us here from SI.com Sports Illustrated. Pat, it's been a while, my friend. How are you, good sir? Hey, Andrew, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Man, everything is uh, it's fantastic uh, here in Indianapolis. Uh, tons of good NFL. Uh, Pacers had a big weekend, so all the nonsense uh, in college basketball. I, I guess let's start on the NFL side. I know you were there embedded with Indiana State for a little bit, so I want to get your thoughts on that and just some general college basketball thoughts as well. Uh, Dan Campbell, Lamar Jackson gets the loss. Dan Campbell, they give up a 17-point win. He goes for on fourth down what were your thoughts last night watching those nfl games um i you know i i thought the ravens absolutely gagged i thought they choked frankly i and i was very disappointed in that i i like lamar jackson i've always liked him obviously as you know being in louisville saw him play as a college kid he's a likable guy uh he's a great player but i think he's a stress case and i think the bigger the game the more stressed out he gets and more he presses and tries to score three touchdowns on one possession. Uh, and obviously his teammates were worse than he was. I mean, you know, the penalties that they had and uh, some of the mistakes that they made were, were just brutal. So the Ravens were a colossal disappointment. Uh, credit to the Chiefs. I mean, you know, boy, they, they certainly looked like a team that knew how to handle the moment. That's for sure. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, I mean, I felt bad for the Lions. I mean, they, they played a great game, but I, I disagreed very much with Dan Campbell's uh, fourth down decisions. I, I know, you know, that's who he is, and that's how they do things, and blah, 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 blah. And that's fine against a terrible Denver defense in October when you're playing the 49ers and there's a quarter and a half left to get to the Super Bowl and you can go up 17. I would have kicked. And then when you can, I believe it was tie the game at 27 and shift the pressure back to the Niners, I would have kicked. Uh, and, you know, I just, I, I think that there's, a, you know, a little bit of this, this kind of whole thing of our identity is we go for everything and that's fine, but you could end up being Brandon Staley too. So there. Boy, that's two ends of the spectrum right there. Pat Forty is with us here from SI.com. Again, as we said, uh, he was in Terre Haute this weekend to watch the Sycamores of Indiana State. Pat, for those that maybe have not watched Indiana State this year, certainly um, you know a lot of attention around their three-point shooting, just their offense in general. Would you compare them at all to any sort of maybe a higher major team that some people have seen a little bit more of, whether it's even this year or in years past? Um. You know, they're, they, they, they're, they don't have the athletic size that Alabama had last year. But in terms of <clears throat> spread the floor, pass the ball, play really fast, and shoot the heck out of it, <clears throat> that's, that's what they've got. And they are fun. I mean, they are really fun to watch. Frankly, I, I don't think this is a, too much of a stretch. I compare them to Washington's football team, where it's mm. just like we are – opening it up wide open we're going deep and that's they 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 run and they pass and they shoot it from deep a lot and they make them i mean their their field goal percentages are unbelievable free throw percentages are unbelievable they're the number two i think uh total efficiency field goal percentage team in the country um they're fearless and they they really play a fun fun brand of basketball i mean if if you've been burdened watching Indiana University this <laughs> right, season, sure. there's a nice alternative in Terre Haute. <laughs> Pat, Indiana was... Uh, you could not be at two no. further ends of the spectrum again with you really shooting could. in Bloomington versus Terre Haute. Pat, the Hoosiers were 0 of 9 from 3 over the weekend. They didn't make a 3, and they shot like 54% from the free throw line. It's the state of Indiana, Pat. Come on. 
Yeah, it, that's pretty <laughs> darn bad. And that is the opposite of Indiana State. I mean, the Indiana State-Bradley uh, game, Bradley shot 71% in the second half and 78% from three-point range and didn't win. Because hmm. in overtime, uh, Indiana State, I believe, made every shot. They might have missed one. Uh, I mean, and it was like three for three from three. I mean, they just, they ball. I mean, they really, really are a skilled, uh, fearless group. They're they're a lot of fun. Pat Forty with us here. He's from SISI.com. Sports Illustrated joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, just last thing, at least for me, on Indiana State. Um, I, I guess what I hate about it is if they, you know, if they don't win the MVC, if they don't win the uh, the conference tournament, they're going to be stuck in this situation to where and I've always picked on this team. But uh, are we going to take them as an at large with maybe like four or five losses on the season, or are we going to take the SEC team like Mississippi State who? might be 16 and 14 on the season or a big 10 team that fits into that same mold do you i guess i hope that doesn't happen to them but i i for i foresee a situation where that could happen to them i guess oh yeah that's always always the could happen for the mid-majors and i hate it i hate it as much as anything in sports what the way the the ncaa tournament tends to skew and i think even more now than ever towards mediocre teams that are eighth or ninth or 10th in their league, in their high major league, and you leave out somebody that had a great season uh, like like an, an Indiana State. There's three really good teams in the Valley. Um, Drake, Indiana State, and Bradley. Bradley's really good, too. And not all three of them are getting in. I hope two of them are. But, they're, you know, they just they put so much pressure on these teams in the league tournaments. And, it's you know, it's brutal to have this great season – and go in there knowing we can't screw up. Whereas, you know, uh, you said your Mississippi States, your, um, <clears throat> you know, Michigan States, uh, you know, your your, your uh, Syracuses or whatever will come, you know, flailing into their league tournaments and losing the first round and probably still get in. And so, you know, I, I just I hate the way that things are set up just – basically engineered against those schools that have a hard time scheduling high major opponents. It's a great Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Pat, if you could rewind maybe to how you felt about Purdue last year at this time and what you've seen from them this year at this time, I think in general maybe there are not a lot of Tier 1 teams around Purdue this go-around. I don't know, maybe it's too early for me to say that and Ultimately, it's about who can get hot over three weeks in March. But uh, how do you feel about the Boilers compared to uh, last year in regards to making a potential run? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean they're really good and probably the best team in the country. Uh, and I love the way they play, and I love Matt Painter's coaching, and I love the players on the team. Uh, but it all comes with that huge caveat of, can you please do it in March, please? Please, uh, you know, they just they take this huge amount of baggage with them into the postseason. And, you know, Painter is unbelievably candid and accountable about that. He's like, you know, what what's the one common denominator in these these March flameouts me? And, you know, he, I mean, he doesn't run from that. But so it would be nice to see a guy like that uh, be rewarded with a final four. But, boy, you know, you just look at the whole landscape this year. And it is <clears throat> parody city. I, I, you know, it's kind of a cliche and an excuse, but it really is. Like you're as good as your last road trip, and it it's difficult to, you know, piece things together and sustain them for what's going to need to be six games. But somebody's going to do it. Um, and outside of UConn, really, I think Purdue is as good as anybody, and certainly has the pieces if they can get out of their own heads and play to their level uh, when it counts. Pat Forty with us here. Pat, I can't figure out who I like this season outside of, you mentioned UConn, and we throw in Purdue. Listen, I mean, this is Purdue's chance as well. I guess North Carolina, I, I, I'm not sold on Tennessee. I know you've seen Kentucky up close. They've had some head-scratching losses as well. Kansas, too. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to find out who I actually like this season, and I feel like that number I can count on, like, one hand right now. Maybe that's unfair, but it's how I feel in late January. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, 
again, you can like a lot of teams. Hard to trust any of them. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, just to look at them and think, oh yeah, they can, they can do it. I mean, yeah, Arizona, do they guard well enough? Uh, Kentucky, do they guard well enough? Um, um, Houston and I would put Houston and Arizona also in the same category with Purdue of like, you got to quit losing to lower seeded teams in the tournament. I mean, you know, there has to be some reason to believe you can actually overachieve instead of underachieving. So, you know, there's just, there's teams with baggage, there's teams without enough weapons, there's teams that don't play enough defense. Uh, you know, it's a wildly imperfect season out there and that's going to be the fun of it. It's going to be hard to predict and it should be incredibly wild. I think everything that's going to happen probably in March. Pat Forty with us here from Sports Illustrated on the uh, the Payless Liquors Hotline. We talked about this before you came on. Uh, the BYU students had it spelled out horns down, uh, and they had to take those shirts off so we could cater to Texas. How do we get as a society to where we're catering to Texas's <laughs> feelings on horns down? And do you think Greg Sankey will do that in the SEC next year? Boiler down in the IU. I mean, they're the, they're they're the only they're the only team in sports that it's like, no, you can't make fun of their moniker or you'll get in trouble. It's the only place we do this, is it not? It's incredible. I, like, yes, how did how did they get this most favored nation protected status, you know? They're like, they're an endangered species almost. I mean, what? Like, and it's Texas. My God, they've got every advantage on the face of the earth, but we got to treat them like this poor, fragile little program. I mean, it's unbelievable. Football and basketball. We can't, we can't do horns down to them. Oh, my goodness. What, <laughs> think of the children. I mean, it, it's just so stupid. I, like, if I was BYU students, I, I might have said, fine, I'll leave. I, you know, if, if we're going to do this, then I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be part of it. I don't know. But it's, uh, it's incredible that they've somehow pulled it off, the poor, fragile Longhorns. I'm, I'm glad somebody's taking care of them. God, that's such a great analogy. They're, they are like an endangered species at times. Uh, Pat, last one for me, and appreciate your time here on this Monday morning. Again, Pat Forty, who was at Terre Haute over the weekend watching the Sycamores get it done in overtime. Um, I feel like you'd be the perfect person to ask. I had a Kentucky fan message me over the weekend. Oh, boy, Pat. And goes, I- I'm tired of John Calipari. He can't build a program. With all of Kentucky's backing, he still can't put a respectable roster together. Is that sentiment, like, Tell him, Pat. shared by a lot of Kentucky fans? I don't know. Maybe I'm just not, like, <laughs> as plugged in with Big Blue Nation as I should be. But I was a little surprised to see it go to that level. I'd say 80% of the fan base feels that way. Wow. Uh, I Does mean, the administration yeah, no, feel that way? What's that? Does the administration feel that way? Uh, no, no. Now, even if they did, they're, they're handcuffed. You know, they're financially handcuffed. He's got a Jimbo Fisher contract. And so even if you are sick of John Calipari, you can't get rid of John Calipari at this point. I mean, I think bio would be like $50 million. And, you know, the problem is, yeah, does he underachieve as a coach? Absolutely. Um, but every year they bring in great players and everybody gets excited again. And part of the season, they look great. And everybody, oh, this is just, see, it's back. Cal's back. Cal's back. And then, you know, they go lose by 17 to South Carolina. Uh, it's, you know, it's, that's what they do. So, I, I mean, I don't blame the fans. I think Cal's a con man, and I think he's conned everybody for a long time. Um, but they're, they're stuck with him, basically, um, unless somebody, some coal baron or some horse owner, you know, wants to say <laughs> sails in and says, I got the $50 million. Get rid of him. I think I think he's going to be the, keep being the coach. Yeah, Pat. Kevin looked at me and goes, yeah, yeah, these Kentucky fans not happy with Calipari. I'm like, that's opening an entire bag of... Uh... And it, it <laughs> oh. is crazy. That's a, that's a no bag of worms right there. in five years. Oh, yeah. The last couple years have not been good, but he, he very much has a, a Jimbo Fisher deal if you want to pay him on the way out. What? Let me... The last one, I guess, for me as well. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, what did you make of him making the jump to the NFL and then Sharon or if it be, you know becomes official here, he takes that job. What kind of bag is he going to be holding? Do you think with all the punishments that may come their way uh, with the NCAA? What do you make of that situation? Yeah, that is the great unknown. Um, I, you know, it's very difficult to predict the NCAA, but I do think they're going to have significant sanctions. Uh, what they actually are, I don't know, and I don't think Harbaugh leaving gives them a full escape on that. So. You know, what are with scholarship reductions? I, we'll see if they get a postseason ban. 
Um, it's interesting, you know, the, the things had, the, the pendulum had skewed very definitely away from postseason bans, but I do think there's some pretty big cases in the hopper that could yield some pretty wild results. And Michigan's certainly one of them. I mean, they've got two cases. So look, Harbaugh, I, I don't, I'm not surprised he left. I, I don't blame him for leaving. He's wanted to go back to the NFL. The timing's perfect. You got him the national championship and here comes the posse. So get a move on. But uh, is he going to leave him? Yeah, he's going to leave him holding a bit of a bag there. And we'll see if Sharon Moore's up to it. I mean, they love him there. And he did a very good job on game days when he stepped in. But those were just Saturdays. Like Harbaugh did all the coaching during the week. Now we'll see if Sharon Moore's a Sunday to Friday coach, too. Pat, I always think it's pretty cool when someone with your national reputation decides to head to a place like Terre Haute for a Saturday afternoon. So thanks for giving them a little bit of love. And uh, thank you for joining us here on this Monday. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thank you. Have a good one.